from the WIA. This is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. This is the WIA News for week commencing April 11, 2010. Hello, I'm Brian, VK3HXR. And I'm Robert, VK3DN. Welcome back for the third in a row, Robert, and welcome back, listeners. Did you get any emails? I did, I did, I did. And uh, people on the radio, too. Uh, people on the radio. Hams on the repeaters, I should say. Uh, driving Home had some really nice comments uh, a few days ago uh, after work. Unexpected, too. It was a long day, and it was just really, really good to hear uh, that they enjoyed it. And apparently one of our listeners, too, listens to the broadcast on his surround sound system. I forgot about that. So uh, you know who you are. You do indeed. Yes, and let's just say the call sign sounds something like not quite right. NQR. Well, NCR, but anyway. Anyway, we'll get into it. You've got the first story there, Brian. I certainly do. Next weekend for World Amateur Radio Day. World Amateur Radio Day will be celebrated on Sunday, 18th of April, 2010. The theme for 2010 is Amateur Radio Combining Communication Experience with Modern Digital Techniques. This Sunday can be a great opportunity for radio clubs to demonstrate amateur radio to the public at a shopping centre or mall. And the weekend after is Anzac Day, and that's when Amateur Radio salutes the servicemen and women in the many conflicts. CW Morse code was used as a means of communication during World War II, Korea, Malaysia and even in early Vietnam. Museum ships, including the HMAS Wyala, will be utilised to honour this event. Wyala Amateur Radio Club, together with the Wyala Maritime Museum, invite you to attend the HMAS Wyala on Anzac Day. From 12.30pm, that's 0300 UTC, to witness and share in the experience of Morse code communications. For further information, please contact either the Wyala Visitor Centre and Maritime Museum on free call 1-800-088-589 or the Wyala Amateur Radio Club via their email address vk5bwr at hotmail.com. Now some information about the WIA Centenary and I'm announcing a QRP contest for the Centenary. The VK QRP Club is sponsoring a new commemorative contest that should have a very wide appeal and be a lot of fun too. The WIA Centenary QRP Contest is open to all radio amateurs, whether they be Foundation, Standard or Advanced Licensees, with the aim of encouraging interest in the use of low-level transmit power. For the entire UTC month of May, the contest will be on the 80 metre and 40 metre bands using either CW, AM or SSB. It's hoped that a lot of stations will be calling CQWAA Centenary QRP Contest. The rules will be published in the April edition of Amateur Radio Magazine and on the WAA website. That's actually one right up my alley, Rob. I like the low-power stuff. You've got some low-power equipment, haven't you? I do. Now, I'd really like to homebrew some. So uh, for those uh, standard and advanced licensees, maybe it's an opportunity to put some 40-metre gear together in the shack. Uh, but I've got the Yasu 817 and um, like to go down to the beach and parks and things like that rolled up coil of, uh, of some old speaker wire, actually, yeah. and a little L-match, and um, throw it over a squid pole. You've seen my squid yes. poles, and you've got a couple too. Um, and obviously, listeners, you've probably got the WIA uh, AR magazine, and there have been a few squid pole uh, antennas, yeah, articles over the last uh, 12 months or so. Well, the WIA Centenary event, mm. along with the QRP contest, is really gaining a lot of momentum. There's a lot of things now that are starting to uh, happen and come to the surface. There's a lot of people talking about what their clubs are going to be doing. and uh, Yeah, and also it. talking about their plans for going to the weekend. That's right. 
weekend in Canberra, mm-hmm. 28th, 29th and 30th of May. Publicity support for all clubs. The clubs rostered to use the special call sign VK100WIA in June have received a comprehensive package of material to help them promote amateur radio, their club and the WIA centenary. The material is ideal for any club that wants to promote any event or activity and gain positive media publicity for amateur radio. While the clubs on the VK100WIA roster will automatically receive this material eight weeks prior to their three-day rostered slot, any other WIA-affiliated club can request a copy from the WIA National Office. In a covering letter, the WIA President Michael Owen VK3KI explains that the resources being provided include media liaison advice, a template media release, background sheets and guides. Clubs using this package will easily be able to create a media kit to send to their local news media. Michael VK3KI says a number of clubs had asked him and other WIA directors at hamfests and meetings for this kind of support. We now look forward to seeing the results of club media campaigns. Brian, have you seen the uh, media kit? About five minutes ago, Robert, yes. I've seen a, uh, an advanced copy, listeners. Looks the goods, too. Would have been good to uh, have that back in the radio club. Yeah, I, look, listeners, I don't know if you, the, especially those outside VK3, probably don't know, I was um, president of the EMDRC for a few years, and something like this would have been great. I had uh, great ambitions of Channel 7 and Channel 9 and Channel 10 covering all of our events, and I just didn't have the, um, didn't have the know-how. But having a package like this would have been sensational. There's been a lot of work uh, going into the kit there. Jim, uh, do you want to uh, tell us a little bit more about the kit? Yes, the kit's very much a product of the WIA Centenary Committee, and the committee is uh, continuing to work hard. The reason why we need to have publicity at this time is that for the last 12 to 18 months, or maybe a bit more, the number of people attending uh, Foundation Licence classes has slipped, so we need to promote the hobby... And we also need to raise community awareness that we still exist and what we're doing now. And the centenary is an ideal opportunity for all radio clubs around Australia to do just that. Well, the kit contains some background information on well, what is amateur radio, but also some history, uh, history sheet. Uh, in the kit too is the uh, media release that can be personalised for each radio club. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how that works? Well, there's a template or shell media release and there's actually a guide in the kit to show how to fill it in, uh, the sections to fill in, um, ideas of what to say. There's also a, a guide of how to approach the local media and what to do and what not to do to get good publicity. Who do you uh, recommend we approach when we're doing this? Is it just the local media, uh, newspapers, radio, community sort of groups, or go the whole hog and promote it to anyone you can, the shop owners nearby, just to give them an idea of, uh, of what we do? I think the local media. I think most local clubs will have at least one newspaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know one has seven local newspapers. Wow. They'll have a community broadcast station, and they may have a local... A radio station, and some may have a local television station. So all of those are eager to have local news about XYZ Club 
and here's an opportunity to uh, to get that information to them in a timely fashion and to get that media coverage, which will benefit both the club, the WIA, and amateur radio generally. And certainly thank the um, Centenary Committee for putting this together. So not only are they preparing the celebrations for the past 100 years, but pre- uh, preparing the uh, promotion and presentation of amateur radio to the newcomers in the near future too. It's fantastic. Well, thanks for your work on that, Jim. That's, uh, that's great. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. Hands across Australia and in VK2, Amateur Radio New South Wales, they'll be holding their AGM next Saturday morning the 17th of April at the shed on the VK2 Whiskey India site. Check the Amateur Radio New South Wales website for further details. And also in VK2, the Oxley Region Amateur Radio Club 35th Field Day. It's being held on the Sunday the 13th of June 2010 at the Sea Scouts Hall in Buller Street, Port Macquarie, New South Wales. A good representation of the trade will be in attendance on Sunday the 13th along with the sale of pre-loved gear, free tea and coffee and biscuits as well as a barbecue on Sunday from midday. If necessary, we'll fire up the barbecue for lunch as well on Saturday. That's very generous of them. Entry is a mere $5 per person and children under five are free. Stafford Simpson, VK2 AST, tells us that the Albury-Wodonga Amateur Radio Club have their Riverina Field Day, 25th of July. The event will be held at Lavington Scout Group, Must Street, Lavington. There will be major suppliers and second-hand equipment, WAA Bookshop and others. The email address for more information is staffordsimpson, that's with two Fs in Stafford, at westnet.com.au. Now to Central West New South Wales, where they have no monthly get-togethers for hams, but as the song goes, help is on its way. Next week we'll hear of how a group of hams is trying to do something about that. Oh, and in the meantime, have a listen to Tourist Radio PHFM at 0410 UTC Friday for a ham radio segment. And in VK3, digital amateur TV with stereo sound. The latest on the VK3 RTV repeater on Mount Dandenong, which services the Melbourne and Geelong areas, is that stereo sound is now available for both its digital and analogue inputs. Peter Cosson's VK3 BFG advises that for analogue, the subcarrier frequencies are at 6 and 6.5 MHz, and operators need to activate it by a DTMF code. The code is star 3 hash. About seven stations transmitting digital DVBS uplink also have the capability to transmit stereo sound. New 23cm antenna arrays are yet to be completed and the system is currently running on VK3RTV-1 on a temporary antenna. Peter, VK3BFG also advises that experiments are being made with the internet streaming via the British Amateur TV Club. The VK3 RTV repeater digitisation has been primarily funded by Amateur Radio Victoria with a $1,000 grant also provided by the WIA Club Grants Program. And Chris Chapman, VK3 QB, reminds all that the Gippsland Gate Radio and Electronics Club's 2010 Hamfest is on 17th of July 2010. Education, Youth and Advancement of Amateur Radio Congratulations to Hayden VK7HAY for being awarded the Best Electronics Project North and Jared VK7RJ for Best Soldering Project North 
as apprentices with the Tasmanian Skills Institute. It's great to see our young amateurs getting a good grounding in the electronics trade. Keep up the great work, guys. International news with thanks to the RSGB, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, the AWRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, the NZART and the worldwide sources of the WIA. Bahrain, licensing of amateur services in the Kingdom of Bahrain has taken a major step forward with the release of new regulations by the Telecommunications Regulatory Authority. New additions for general class licences include 135.7 to 137.8 kHz with a power limit of 10 watts, an extension to the 160 meter band changing the upper limit of 1850 kHz to 2 kHz, the inclusion of the 40 meter band extension from 7.2 kHz plus the 30 meter band. Above 30 MHz, new additions include 50 to 52 MHz and improved access to bands at 430 MHz and above, with the exception of the segment 50 to 50.5 MHz, which is primarily all new allocations, have been granted on a secondary basis. Permitted power to the antenna on all bands except 136 kHz is 1500 watts. The new intermediate class license has also been introduced that permits operations at 28 MHz and above with power output to the antenna of 100 watts. Aeronautical mobile, maritime mobile, mobile and portable operations are also permitted within the terms of the new license. The IARU say that congratulations should be offered to those who negotiated these new regulations. Negotiations continue for the use of other bands in use within Region 1. And here's a good one, Brian. Digital versus analogue TV. It's in the news again. US amateur radio operators want old residential TV towers. Bowling Green area ham radio operators want to give a new lease of life to residential TV towers by incorporating them into an emergency communication system. Now get this, the Kentucky Colonels Amateur Radio Club, who have come up with this finger-licking good idea, along with the Kentucky 4th District Amateur Radio Emergency Services, they're seeking donations of TV towers, which have become increasingly obsolete as more households have turned to cable, satellite and digital TV providers. Bill Schilt of the KCARC said members will remove the towers for free, recondition them and install them at numerous locations in the 10-country Barron River Area Development District to support emergency communications among ham radio operators, hospitals, country emergency management directors, American Red Cross chapters and other emergency workers. Now, seriously, is the 10-tower up for grabs here? Or would nine still be the one? Hi, hi. And strangely, now we're on to the weird and wonderful segment. New More Island is no more island. If you're thinking of sponsoring a de-expedition to New More Island in the Sundbands, you might as well forget it. This is because the disputed island in the Bay of Bengal has disappeared into the sea. For nearly 30 years, Bangladesh and India have argued over ownership of a tiny rock island in the Bay of Bengal. Now Mother Nature has resolved the dispute for them. Due to rising sea levels, as of March 24th, the island's gone. According to news reports, its disappearance below the waves has been confirmed by satellite imagery and sea patrols, and one might now say that 
Newmore Island is no, no more. more island. No more island. Yes. I wonder, they were fighting over it. So did any either of the country's uh, insurance companies put policies down on it and were they wishing they hadn't? Yes. <laughs> Which are going to get flood damage. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Got, got, somebody stole it. Fire and theft. No fire, just the theft part. On to operational news. Special events and on-air contest column dateline for 2010. On April the 24th, it's the Harry Angel Memorial Sprint. On April the 30th and May the 6th, it's the Westlake's CQ Repeater Contest. On May the 8th, it's the WIA VK Trans-Tasman 80-metre phone. On May the 15th and 16th, it's the NZART Sangster Shield. Now, the details for those are in the text edition of this new service. And a reminder about the WIA Centenary QRP Contest, the VK QRP Club is sponsoring a low-power contest during May to commemorate the centenary of organised amateur radio in Australia. All three grades of Australian licence can join in on this one, provided they limit their output power to 5 watts CW and 10 watts for AM and sideband. The contest will be on the 40 and 80 metre bands, operate each evening in May between 1,000 to 1,300 UTC, then submit an entry for your best 20 days. More details and all the contest rules can be found on the WAA website. And the winter VHF UHF Field Day. John Martin, VK3KM, WIA Contests Manager, let the VK7 News guys know that the rules for the Winter Field Day, which is being held on the 19th and 20th of June, are now available, and you can find them on Australia's official events contest page on the WIA website. That's www.wia.org.au. Via the 7 News team, we learn that there's been a major change to the rules, the introduction of a separate section for the rover stations. This new section will allow portable and rover stations to compete against other stations that have similar scoring potential. The rover section will apply to all stations that operate for more than two grids or change location more than twice. This allows stations in the regular portable sections to change location once and return to the original grid square without being required to enter the rover section. The 2010 International Museums Weekend Special Event will again be a double weekend and will take place on the 19th and 20th, plus the 26th and 27th of June. Radio amateurs are encouraged to participate in this event by setting up stations in their local museums. Harry, M1BYT, who is organising the event, asks that all those intending to take part should register their museum via email to Harry. Full details of the event can be found on the International Museum's Weekend website at www.ukradioamateur.co.uk forward slash IMW. All shapes and sizes. We have the very tall. Some are broad while others are stout. Most are white, some are black, blue or even red in colour. Looking at them in wonder takes you back in time. Many will blink back at you. What am I? Let me think about that. Well, with all those clues, clearly the answer is a lighthouse, of course. And this is a reminder that the International Lighthouse Lightship Weekend run by the Scotland's Air Radio Group, GM0AYR, is only four months away on the 21st and the 22nd of August. So far, 135 registrations from 23 countries have already been received from radio clubs and individual radio amateurs for this popular and friendly on-air weekend. An interesting trend in VK this year is the number of lighthouses that will be put to air for the very first time. 
These include VK4DMC Archer Point Lighthouse, VK5PBZ Point Gurman, VK6FLAM Gilderton and VK7ZM Rocky Cape Lighthouse. Each lighthouse has an interesting story. For example, the Gilderton Lighthouse in Western Australia is one of the youngest, a red brick structure built in 1983 and at the place where the Gilder coins were found from a Dutch ship, Vergilde Drake, that's Gilded Dragon. The sailing ship came to grief in 1956. To see where Australian lighthouses can be located, you can download a Google Earth file. The URL can be found in the text edition of this news broadcast. The International Lighthouse Lightship Weekend, the 21st and 22nd of August, will again be a lot of fun. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. The Q News Workbench, the Nuts and Volts Report. Measure twice, cut once. A new format of hard drive storage is coming in 2011. Hard drives are about to undergo one of the biggest format shifts in 30 years. Amateur Radio Newsline's Norm Seeley, KI7UP, in a recent report said that by early 2011, all magnetic hard drives will use an advanced format that changes how they go about saving the data people store on them. The move to the advanced format will make it easier for hard drive makers to produce bigger drives that use less power and are more reliable. However, it might also mean problems for Windows XP users who swap out an old drive for one using the changed format. According to Science Online, since the days of the original DOS operating system, the space on a hard drive has been formatted into blocks 512 bytes in size, based on the floppy disks of that era. Each 512-byte sector has a marker showing where it begins, and an area dedicated to storing error correction codes. In addition, a tiny gap has to be left between each sector. While 512 bytes made sense back when hard drives were only a few megabytes in size, it's of less significance when drives can hold a terabyte or more of data. As a result, in large drives, this wasted space, where data cannot be stored, can take up a significant proportion of the drive. Drive makers say that moving to an advanced format of 4 kilobyte sectors means about 8 times less wasted space. This will allow drives to devote twice as much space per block to error correction technology. Through the International Disk Drive Equipment and Materials Association, all hard drive makers have committed to adopting the 4 kilobyte advanced format by the end of January 2011. Might be some cheap drives out there around Christmas time, Rob. That's right. Not very reliable ones. The new ones are going to be so much more <laughs> <That's> reliable. <right. laughs> Worldwide Special Interest Groups, ATV, where every pixel tells a story. Here's an interesting one. Operating amateur radio while skydiving is an aspect of the hobby that's been attracting interest as a YouTube video shows. And the YouTube video description reads, Skydive Monterey Bay at Marina Airport in Marina, California. These are parachute mobile jumps, which skydivers are amateur radio or ham operators that take and make amateur radio contacts whilst under the canopy. Now, this is an impractical, Brian, in freefall because you're actually travelling at 120 miles per hour and the airspeed noise is extremely loud into the microphone, etc. And the duration of the jump is too short for making numerous contacts. So these jumps, they're called what they're called hop and pops. 
So what happens is you uh, pop your canopy as soon as you're out of the plane and it gives you maximum time to make radio calls. Now you can watch the parachute mobile at Skydive Monterey Bay Marina Airport. Just search out on youtube.com. You're going to give that one a, a crack, Brian? Skydiving with your radio? No. Hanging around with the radio. I prefer to do it with the feet up rather than the straps up. And the feet down. Now on to worldwide special interest groups, radio scouting. Not only the WAA is in 100-year celebration mode, Bob Bristow tells us the Boy Scouts of America are celebrating 100 years also. In 1910, the United States Congress officially chartered the Boy Scouts of America. The San Francisco Bay Area Council of BSA is hosting a centennial anniversary celebration jamboree at the Alameda County Fairgrounds, April 16 to 18th. And part of the celebration includes two jamboree on the air stations where amateur radio will be demonstrated to youth and adult scouts. Information is available from www.100thanniversaryjamboree.org. The station will be demonstrating HF voice and code operations, VHF UHF voice repeater operations, satellite communication, radio direction finding, and CW practice stations. No matter where you are in the world, if you can't make it to the fairgrounds, please get on the air and talk to these scouts for their 100th anniversary. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio, Paddle for Life Canoe Marathon. It's on the 17th to the 19th of April. Yes, the Summerland Amateur Radio Club provides safety and control comms for this charity event. A three-day canoe paddle, Lismore, Karaki, Broadwater and Bellina, about 120 kilometres. One operator in an SES boat, one mobile follower, one next stop location and others if available. Can you help? Well, if you can, advise John, VK2JWA, if you're available. And good work to the uh, Summerland Club. They do a, a lot of this. Good on you guys. The ARRL and Red Cross sign Memorandum of Understanding. ARRL President K. Craigie, N3KN, has signed a new Memorandum of Understanding with the American Red Cross, the MOU, which replaces an earlier Statement of Understanding that expired in 2007, provides a broad framework for cooperation between the ARRL and the ARC in preparing for and responding to disaster relief situations at all levels in rendering assistance and service to victims of disaster, as well as other services for which cooperation may be beneficial. One recent Sunday, John Ockenberg, NK4N of Tennessee, went hiking in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Now, he was about one mile up from the Alum Cave Bluff and he came across Judy Potter, who was 57, of Atlanta. Now, she had broken her ankle whilst on the trail. Ockenberg reached for his cell phone to call 911, but there was no coverage available. Then he reached for his handheld transceiver and put out a call to any amateur radio operators who may be listening via some nearby VHF 2-metre repeaters. Back they came, and again, Ham Radio saved the day. So, congratulations, John. Yarrick 2010 date and venue announced the Global Amateur Radio Emergency Communications Conference, Garrick, will be held in Curaçao, Netherlands Antilles, on the 11th and 12th of October. The annual conference for those engaged in providing emergency communications will this year be organised by the Dutch Amateur Radio Emergency Service and the IARU Radio Society Verona. The conference theme this year is Learning Through Practising. The program is yet to be finalised, However, the organisers are keen to include first-hand accounts 
of emergency communications following the devastating Haiti and Chile earthquakes. The purpose of Garrick is to exchange information and experiences between all radio amateurs and groups interested in emergency communications. Presentations to previous conferences can be found at www.garec.net. And returning with more on the history of amateur radio, here's Jim Linton. Rewind, a look back at our history through the serialised written history by WIA Centenary Committee member Peter Wolfen and VK3RV with the assistance of others that has been published in the WIA journal Amateur Radio magazine. Struggle to get back on the air. With the moves to restart experimental wireless after World War I, as reported by Sea, Land and Air magazine in September 1919, a national effort was being made to represent all experimenters and private users of wireless apparatus. Prior to the Navy issuing receiving licenses in November 1919, many experimenters quietly rebuilt their stations and commenced tuning the ether again. The Wireless Institute of Victoria contacted all other states requesting that they appoint proxies to represent them on a possible federal council which would approach authorities to reissue transmitting licences. However, progress did not occur overnight. Most wartime restrictions were not removed by the government until late 1920 and the Postmaster General regained control of operator examinations. But transmitting licences were not generally made available until late 1922. The new controller of wireless, Jim Malone, generally sympathetic to experimenters, and he issued a number of special transmitting licences ahead of time. One of those was for the Wireless Institute of Victoria in May 1921 that granted permission to transmit nightly. Another was for the South Australian Institute, enabling it to operate from September of that year. There were a few others. The authority wanted one experimenter or amateur voice to deal with, and the WIA provided that representation. And now for a quick rundown of the social scene. No ham fest on the horizon until June, so uh, relax everybody. June 12th in VK2, the Oxley Region Amateur Radio Club's 35th annual field day. July 17 in VK3, GGREC Hamfest starts at 10am, and August 1st, VK6, Northern Corridor Group Hamfest at the Cyril Jackson Sports Centre, Ashfield. Well, that's it, Brian. We've come to the end of this week's news. And we won't be back next week, so uh, parties all around. Yay. (laughs) Thank you also to Graham for uh, giving us the opportunity to do this, and thank everybody who's uh, given us uh, feedback. We really do appreciate all of it. Indeed we do. And thanks also for Jim joining us here in the Melbourne studio this week. Yes, Studio 1B. And as we say each week... This is the WAA News. We've reported... You can decide. Plus. We've reported... You decide.